And now it's time for crocheting with Ron. Wait, that can't be right. Now it's time for cro Oh, okay, okay. Now it's time for crotchety old Ron. That makes much more sense. You're listening to the Ron Van Dam Show on New England Broadcasting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. It's the Ron Van Dam Show. I'm crotchety. Hold on tight, things can get a bit weird, if you like that sort of thing. Somehow my mood has something to do with my crotch, I don't understand that. I I am crotchety. (laughs) I don't know how to crochet, I gotta admit it. But I do know how to be crotchety. It's the Ron Van Dam Show. That's me. Thanks for coming. This will be half an hour of your life that you'll never get back. But it should be worth it. Well, you know, uh, this is a pleasure. This is an unexpected pleasure, you just showing up like this without calling. Well, I'll tell you what, you sit back, relax, I will entertain you for the next half hour as best I can, which is usually in a fantastic manner. And then we'll see what happens afterwards. Maybe we'll uh, just part ways and call today, you know what I'm saying? I think the great thing about our relationship is that I don't know who the hell you are. I just have no idea whatsoever. You kind of don't know me. You don't know me. You you don't know me. So this is perfect. This is like two strangers meeting in the night or the daytime or the morning, whatever. Before we go any further, when we probably shouldn't, uh, the theme music and incidental music incidentally throughout the show is provided and composed and performed by Jason Shaw, good friend. Thank you so much, Jason. The opening announcements, uh, 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 he's a great comedian, some of the funny bits, he's he's got the mind of a genius, uh, John Shanahan, ladies and gentlemen. You can find uh, his uh, program, uh, Hypnagogue. Google that. Uh, He plays uh, very weird music. Weird, but yet fascinating. Check him out, John Shanahan, ladies and gentlemen. Hypnagogue. And then the lovely and talented Nicole Reed, who's the British voice at the beginning of the program. Is she really British? Maybe not. She books many of the national interviews that we hear on this program. Other than that, it's just me. Uh, how are you? Did you bring any cheese? No? Why is it that you go places and you don't bring a bottle of wine or some cheese? And maybe a cracker or two? Is that a lot to ask? Probably is. 
I wanted to talk about something today that bothers me, and if it bothers me, I can guarantee it probably nooks your cranny just a little bit, too. I am done with Facebook. Done. Finished. Have a nice day. I don't want to go to you anymore. I do have Facebook representation. The radio show does. I, personally, (laughs) no. But when you have a business or you have a, you know, something, I know you didn't understand what I just said. That was on purpose. Then you have to have a Facebook page. You don't have to do anything with it, but you have to have them. I have more than one. I'm involved with thousands and thousands and thousands of people that listen to the show and all that. And thank you so much for your patronage and your little Facebook visits. But to be honest with you, we don't need that shit. We really, come on. I have a lot of Facebook friends that I don't even know who they are. That's the friendship that uh, I exude. I went on Facebook this morning because I make mistakes too. And uh, some guy named Muhubu or Muhudu, I can't even remember his name, but it's along those lines. He lives in India, but he's in Philadelphia temporarily. He has approximately uh, 24,000 friends, Um, but he will help none of them move or drive any of them to the airport. Uh, He hit me up uh, on Facebook. He wanted to be uh, my Facebook friend. And I'm supposed to accept him for what I do not know. I am leery about it. So, you know, you go to their Facebook page just to check out if they're legit or not, or if you even want them to be connected to you. And this guy's like an international guy. Seems like an okay guy, but I don't know him. I don't, I can't even pronounce his name or remember it. Why would he... Look, here's, here's, here's what bothers me the most about Facebook is that friends term. I don't like that. I've talked about this so many times. Facebook has, has bastardized the word friend, and you know it has. There's no arguing that. Everybody knows that's true. So we're engaged with a company that has bastardized something that is rather important in society, friendship. Facebook doesn't know what friendship is. They're using the word to make you feel complete when indeed you're pathetic. It shouldn't be Facebook friends. It's probably just because it rhymes. You know, they both begin with F. That's all I can think of. It should be Facebook fuck-ups. I'm sorry I said that out loud. I didn't mean to. They're not friends. They're, ma- they're not even acquaintances because I don't know them. I'm not even acquainted with them. They're Facebook connections. That's all they are. Stop with the friend thing. What, what are we doing here? How many friends do you have on Facebook? Oh, I've got like 10,000 friends. Name them. I can't. I don't know who they are, or I I don't know. That's because they're not your friends. Oh, my God. What have they done to you? Uh, 
Then you look at the posts. They're called, they call them posts. They're actually little journal writings that you send to somebody. You, you look at these things, and they are just such a waste of time. Do you think I really care what you had for dinner last night? And that's been going on forever. People sending pictures of their food. Good times, but <sighs> seriously. You send me pictures of the food before you've eaten it. You don't send me pictures of the food after you've expelled it from your body. And thank God you don't. But what's the difference? That's disgusting. I'm sorry I said that. I apologize. Not a lot, but a little bit. I'm just sick of people posting things. Look, I do a radio show. I've been doing this for like three decades plus. Um, this is what I do for a living. I know. I know. Pee, pathetic, the whole bit. I get it. Uh, but this is what I do. Um, you do not do a radio show. Nobody cares about what you're thinking. Maybe your immediate family, maybe some of your real friends, if you have any of those, they might care, but they really don't, but at least they'll give the impression that they do. I'm not your friend. I don't need to know what you're doing. Christmas is an interesting time for me because people don't, this isn't Christmas, by the way, just in case you thought, oh, I'm listening to an old show. No, this isn't Christmas. I get it but it's an example of what I'm talking about. Instead of getting Christmas cards from people saying, Happy Holidays, and then they sign their name. Ooh, heartfelt. There's a picture of a fireplace uh, with a uh, Christmas stocking. Um, and even Jewish people send these cards. Because, you know, you got to get into it somehow. But now they don't send the Christmas cards anymore, or the holiday cards, I'm sorry. Um, they send um, pictures of the family which is, I guess, interesting to see how they've grown up. That's somewhat interesting for a couple of seconds. But then uh, in the card or in a letter connected to the card, it says what the family has done. We went to uh, Disney World, and uh, little Mark has uh, gotten some good grades in school. We got him a new bicycle last week. And uh, Jessie is in college, and she's uh, studying to be a uh, bathroom monitor, and uh, she's, uh, very, uh, she plays the piccolo in the, uh, in the, uh, marching band and she used to play the piano in the marching band, but they found that didn't really work too well. So she's playing the piccolo now. She's toned down the size of the instrument considerably. And, uh, now she's, uh, she's considering buying new socks. She had some socks before, but they got holes in them. So she's going to be getting some new socks. And those socks should be um, probably a lighter beige color with maybe a, a darker brown hem on the top of the Manual uh, starts third grade and is looking forward to it. We got him a lunchbox with... Uh, Miley Cyrus on the uh, front of the uh, lunchbox and uh Shut up. Okay. Uh, if you send uh, uh little letters uh in your uh, greeting cards with how the family is doing, you have wasted paper. <sighs> 
I mean, we have to be honest sometimes. You can't say it to people's faces, but let's be honest. Half of the stuff that we hear from other people, we don't really care. We don't care at all. As a matter of fact, it's invasive. And Facebook is the place to go to be invaded by people's thoughts. You always think you're going to find something interesting, and indeed you find nothing. Oh, perhaps there's a post that makes you giggle for a second, but it doesn't change your life at all. Is it supposed to? I don't even know. Here's the thing. By the way, if you do this, I am actually criticizing you. People who uh, take a post and they repost it to somebody else. No, I didn't post it. This is, uh, I'm sending you, uh, I'm reposting it. Oh, now you're wasting people's time with things that aren't even yours. So I, every once in a while, refuse to go to Facebook. I refuse to visit even my own pages for fear that I might have posted something by mistake that I didn't want to post. Do you ever do that? Do you ever send something and realize, oh, I don't want to send that, and then you try to retrieve it? It takes a long time. I, I can't, man. I can't. I can't do it anymore. I, and I think it could be part of my age now that I have turned 27. Ron, seriously, let's just leave it at that, okay? I think it's my age. I think I'm out of touch with things. Not that I want to be in touch with them. I prefer to be out of touch, to be honest with you. I don't want touching things. I don't want to be touching things anymore. I used to want to know everything, know what everybody was doing, know what all the new crazes were and who who was big in the movies and, and who everybody was talking. I used to be really into that because I could handle it. I could handle like two million pieces of information at once without batting an eyelash. Now, I can't handle anything. I can handle maybe one or two things a day, but after that, I'm shutting down. Too much information. Some people get their news off of Facebook. I'd like to meet you and talk to you a little bit because you're being fed things that are actually toxic sometimes. It's like drinking formaldehyde. Um, it may be tasty, but it's actually it's not even tasty. <laughs> I, I just, and this is, this is what's destroying America and most of the world is social media. We didn't need this. We didn't need it. We were fine before. I know some of you, some of the generations, Generation P and Generation W and um, the, the crap holders, I don't know what you call your generations anymore. I, there's so many of them. But you grew up with social media, or at least when you were able to do stuff, social media was there. I didn't. I grew up before there was social media. I grew up before there were people. And we got along really well. Really well. We did fine. I didn't need to justify my existence through other people like those that are so involved in Facebook. Like, I can't live without connecting to my people. 
All right, whatever, fine, whatever. Live your life as a whatever. But I, I don't. Reposting, that, that's really gone too far. That's Now you're not even being original. Now now you're just, uh, oh, look, this here was a post. I love it. I want everybody I know to see it. Oh, okay, is that your wish? Is that your dying wish? Here's a picture of me and my friend that I've known since childhood, and we're standing in front of a tree. I want everybody to see it. Why? Why does everybody need to see it? Why does Mumbambi in India need to see that? He's one of your friends, isn't he? Quick, tell me what uh, Mumbambi in uh, India, who's a Facebook friend who you don't even know, what's his favorite color? See, you don't know. You don't know what his favorite color is. You can assume it's blue, but it's probably not. We've expanded our circle so large, so global, that it's become meaningless. I don't watch the news anymore at night. I told you this before. I don't suggest that you do. If you insist on watching the news, do it on one of those um, you know network stations, not not the conversation, not the not the Fox or not the CNN or the MSNBC, unless you want to go to your corner in your boxing match, uh, which sometimes is comforting. But if you want your real news, you do that little half hour thing on ABC or CBS or NBC or something like that. What happened to NBC? What happened to all the good shows? What happened with that? <laughs> anyway, uh, watch your news at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, whatever, uh, your local news, whatever the case may be, and then call it a day. That's enough. That's enough. You don't need people's opinions about what's going on. You, don't, you haven't even formed a, a, an opinion before the people on television are telling you what opinion you should be forming. It's wrong. You've lost your ability to analyze, to think on your own. You've lost it. Now you're just hearing other people talk and you're, you're picking which one seems viable to you. If you even have that much of a scope. I mean, if you watch Fox News, you might as well just stand out in the middle of the field and wait for the spaceship to take you to another planet. Because that's a cult thing. It's unfortunate. Uh, we have basically taken our social lives and we've turned them into very, very strange things. And Facebook is was the culprit, is the culprit, shall continue to be the culprit. Without any type of uh, regulation, or they, all these places self-regulate themselves. Oh, that's good. That works. Self-regulation. Yeah, there you go. But Ron, you know, we shouldn't be regulating things. That's not right. You need some regulations, otherwise, there's anarchy. Anyway, I don't want to talk about this anymore. It's starting to bore me. But I'm just saying, I, Facebook, I'm pointing my finger at you. You're, you're just, you're irresponsibly ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I'm very uh, upset right now with LinkedIn. 
Are you a member of LinkedIn? That's supposed to be that higher echelon of connections basically for business. Well, not anymore. Now I'm getting requests for uh, to 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 uh, recognize, do something or say something to a LinkedIn person or become part of their connections. They're called connections, I think. All they want to do is uh, sell me solar for my home or uh, that leaf guard shit. They want to they put the leaf guard on my gutters. I mean, that's, that's hooking up with other people. It's hooking up with people that want to sell you stuff. Hi, my name is uh, Betsy uh, Rodriguez, and uh, I live in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, Mr. Van Dam, I would love to be connected to you, not sexually, but just on the LinkedIn and um, I will uh, basically f- uh, try to sell you uh, life insurance. Okay. Um, I have an interesting guest coming up momentarily. I'm sorry, not an A interesting guest, an interesting guest, sorry. But first, uh, this uh, short commercial break, and then, oh, who knows, you know what I'm saying? We don't get to choose our family names. We're born into them, and some of them are, quite frankly, a little embarrassing. For many, a burden that follows them through life. If you've got an embarrassing last name, you may have thought about having it legally changed, but perhaps you thought it might be complicated and expensive. Well, I'm here to tell you that having your last name legally changed is simple and cost-effective and will take that lifelong burden away in just a few easy steps. Call me today. Attorney Jim Cockwaffle, with the offices of Cockwaffle and Comstein. We know what you're going through. Sarah Wassner Flynn joins us now. She's National Geographic Kids uh, writer, and this is an interesting one that she's come up with. And Alvin Hall is here. He's a uh, award-winning financial educator, uh, TV, radio host, all that stuff. Alvin Hall. Thanks for being here. This is a little bit of a, we do a lot of interviews about uh, National Geographic Kids because we love the series so much and we think it's very, very important. This this one is uh, kind of gets off the beaten path with something that is uh, a little bit different and we're talking about financial education for the youngins. Um, I don't hear a lot about mm-hmm. this, so this is kind of novel as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's definitely a departure for National Geographic kids, um, but there is the National Geographic spin to it in that there's lots of history and culture and beautiful imagery and everything that you would find in a you know typical National Geographic book, but presented in you know we present the the idea of uh, money from the very beginning, and then we walk kids through and take them all the way to the future and and how they can use money to enhance their lives and. And then he has other lives as well. So yeah. it was a very fun one to write. Yeah, it's not even easy to get adults involved in this subject matter, much less uh, kids. But, I mean, that's that's where it's most important. Um, uh, Alvin, how do you, uh, do you think kids really have this underlying uh, desire to learn about this? Yes, they do, because they watch what their parents do with uh, money. Uh-huh. Often people think the kids are just sort of looking when they go through a supermarket at what's on the shelves and what they're going to get at home, or when they go out to uh, a big box department store, the kids are not watching. The kids are watching. The kids will notice what things cost. 
first they don't connect the numbers, but then when they get to be about seven or 11, when kids start to collect toys or oh, no. dolls, or they talk to their parents about certain things involving numbers, they're making those connections. So that's the first opportunity for parents to start modeling certain types of behavior for their children. So yes, our children are watching and they want to know. Interesting. Yeah, they, they want to be things when they grow up. And I think they start to understand that if they want to have a business or do something, they, they need to, uh, to to start getting into it, and, and even in a fun way. I remember when I was a kid, I think I did the, the two kid things, which was, I had a lemonade stand and I delivered papers, newspapers. And uh, that was about all that was available. But my God, what a what a great introduction it was for me. Do kids, but kids don't do lemonade stands and paper routes anymore much, do they? Um, I think that yeah, I, I'm a mom of four. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, in my neighborhood, I think it depends on where you live. Right. You know, um, I have a, a, a lovely community, and so there are lemonade stands in the summertime, typically. Uh, um, but, yeah, there's different ways for kids to make money. Um, now, of course, with the advent of social media, yeah, there's a lot of different ways and avenues that kids can, can earn money um, in different ways than mm-hmm. just, you know, a lemonade stand, but... We want to take it back to the basics, you know, <laughs> encourage kids to go do things like that. Yeah. Make it simple. What about uh, savings accounts? Yeah, and, my I'm, parents would yeah. make us do. Go on, Alvin. My parents would. Uh, we didn't do lemonade stands because we were so far out in the country. Ah. <laughs> so there was nobody who was going to come <laughs> Okay. So in that case, uh, <laughs> there was a list of chores on the refrigerator. And you could choose what chore you wanted, and there was a price on the chore. On the chore, um, I always chose the most expensive one. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> <I wonder. Yeah. laughs> that's the way my parents. Did. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's smart. Yeah, um, what the savings accounts? When I was a child, we had, I had savings account, and I could actually they actually had a thing called interest on a, on an account, which they kind of didn't have anymore for a while here in this generation. Now you can earn a little bit of money if you sock some money away. Um, a, a child isn't going to open up a four hundred one k necessarily, but how do they learn about savings and the value of money in your estimation? What's the fun way of doing that? Start with well, savings account. You can still open it. Yes, but it's it's nice to right, see. Right? Yeah, yeah. And you can continue on that if you want. Alvin. I was also going to say, you know, that like like you said, the old fashioned savings account. Mm-hmm. Um, I outline all different ways that you can invest. Um, even though you know a kid might not be <laughs> investing in the stock market, mm-hmm. it's good to know about it. Um, my dad was a stockbroker growing up, and he couldn't even explain it to me in a way that I understood. So that was my mission, kind of. To, <laughs> make it accessible and be like, okay, in the future, if I have X amount of money, what can I do with it? And how can I watch it grow? Um, And even something like collectibles, collecting baseball cards and like the value in doing that. That's something my son does. Um, So it's always about bringing it back to their level and, um, and, and and making it uh, uh, digestible for kids ages, you know, anyway from eight to 14 and parents as well. Yeah. It's, it, you know, I, I, when doing some research on this subject, I spoke to a few parents, and some of them said that uh, we don't want our kids to focus on money. The money is the root of all evil. 
And I responded by saying, no, you make it the root of all evil. It doesn't have to be. It, it is the way that we survive. That's the system that we use, but it doesn't have, you don't have to do a nasty connotation to it. And I guess that's what you're setting up as well here is it's, there's nothing nasty about it. It's, it can be fun and it can be uh, lucrative. <laughs> Right. I mean, let's say, yeah. let's face it, money is everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you can't really exist without it. Um, and so if you look at it from a healthy perspective, and we're definitely um, understanding that our readers are from all different socioeconomic backgrounds, mm-hmm. we wanted to make it accessible for every reader. Um, and that was really important for me, too, is to um, not assume that every child has an c- uncle who's going to give him $50 that he can invest. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's about hard work. It's about, um, you know, just knowing that when you do have money and you make it whatever way you make it, like you can use that as some, a tool and here is how, and here's how you can make, um, your future brighter. Yeah. Uh, but also just like cool facts about money. I mean, what kid doesn't want to learn about the history of money, how it's made, where it's made, things like that. That's true. That, mm-hmm. that kind of makes it interesting. Alvin, at, at what age would uh, is it uh, advised to get a child into this subject matter? About when they're seven. Mm-hmm. And parents need to be honest and understand what types of information they're comfortable with. But around seven is when kids begin to accumulate things. Sarah just said mm-hmm. her son collects baseball cards. But that type of accumulation and categorization is really important to the way they think about money. Mm. It's at that age that you can begin opening a savings account with a child, take them to the bank. You can begin giving the child an allowance so the child can learn about budgeting. You can also help the child to accumulate money by saying, if you reach this goal, if you save and you reach this goal, I'll match it. And you give the kid a sense of deferred gratification by sticking to a goal. So about seven is when that happens. For more abstract things like interest rates and um, investments, that happens more in the teenage years because that's a little bit more abstract thinking. Mm -hmm. And then you have to tie it to the kid's interest. For example, if a kid is interested in a a particular kind of toy and it's uh, created by a company, let's just look at that company. And because the interest is already there, the kid will buy into it and follow it more. So at each step, the book offers information that parents can use to teach appropriate to that child's interests and abilities. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, it, it is a transition from getting gifts to earning your own uh, on your own. And that is a transition that kids do need to make. And this book helps them. Uh, do that and get interested in it and to learn about it. We're running short of time, unfortunately, but the book is available. Uh, Give us the full title and where to get it. Sure. The full title is Not So Common Sense. Stuff Your Parents Wish They Knew at Your Age. And um, you can get it at Disney.com, on National Geographic Kids website, or your favorite online retailer or local bookshop. It's everywhere. Perfect. Thank you to the both of you for uh, bringing this to our attention. We appreciate it. Well, that'll do it for me today. Thank you. You've been wonderful. Thank you to my guest. I'll be back again tomorrow with a brand new show. But until that time arrives, I wish you peace. Peace.